Sir, we've had a little problem. These two women are just arriving. They objected to giving up their weapons. Klingons do not surrender their weapons. Who are you? We are Lursa and Baton of the House of Duras. Hello and welcome to the Duras Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. Welcome to the last episode of our Love and Affection series. Whoa, we made it, kids. We're here. Can't believe it. And this is our episode featuring Star Trek Lower Decks. So we are ending on a fantastic note, especially because recently we just had First Contact Day, April 5th, and... We had huge announcements of things going on in the Star Trek universe of release dates, maybe not dates, but at least years. <laughs> we know <laughs> when we got the Picard teaser trailer with Q. We're very ah! excited. We got the Lower Decks teaser. It's very short, but I was I was very teased but excited about it. And we got, what was the last thing? Discovery. Discovery. <laughs> yeah, of course. Discovery season four teaser. Very brief about some crazy anomalies. And we got our first look at Janeway in Prodigy. Ashley's literally dying over here out of excitement. We all are just so thrilled to be Star Trek fans right now because of all this news we're getting. I loved the different post of Jonathan DeLarco congratulating John Delancey for his amazing about to be back in Star Trek congratulations post. It was really cute and just... The Star Trek world is absolutely buzzing right now, and we are very excited to be a part of it and to be talking about Lower Decks when the trailer just got released. Rihanna and I did not have our stuff together this year to join up. I know there was a lot of virtual cons going on in First Contact Day, and because I got married this past week, we were not focusing on Star Trek. (laughs) But as soon as we emerged from the wedding tomb... We realized that this is one of the most amazing days of 2021 so far, and I could not be more thrilled. I think just seeing animated Janeway gave me like 50 heart palpitations in a minute. Oh my god, it extended my life by at least a week. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, at least. (laughs) She looks so cute, and I'm very excited that they are finally starting to tell us about Prodigy, because we haven't heard a lot except for the fact that Kate Mulgrew is going to be back for it. So Well, and I hope you all realize that this means that we will also be expanding our podcast. So not only will we feature the current series that are going, but as soon as Prodigy is here, we will include Prodigy in the themes of whatever we're talking about for our series. So it's a win-win for everybody. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And Ashlyn, I know we talked about this in our last podcast, but I want you to tell the listeners today what our next theme will be starting next week. Well, we're going to have to do a slingshot around the sun because we are doing time travel. (laughs) I wish that was really how you time traveled. You lock onto it and ask Spock to do the calculations, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I'm very, very excited to do time travel because I think it's going to be quite a different series compared to this deep philosophical talks we've been having, which have been amazing and Mm -hmm. very fun to explore all the depths of these characters in family and love and affection. But time travel is just raw, made up science. And epically fun. Epically fun. And it also shows us a different side to these characters. Seeing people exist in different timelines is so exciting. So I'm yeah. so excited. <laughs> Same. And it produces some of the best episodes, some of the funniest episodes, and some of the best movies. So 
We just can't oh, wait. Oh, yeah. Don't think we're going to not include the movies because you know we are. So <laughs> you might want to prep now if you want to join us in real time as these episodes are released. Yeah, we've been doing a lot of Oscar movie prep, but we're just going to have to shove in Star Trek movies while we're doing this. So <laughs> yeah. Woo. <laughs> Woo. Brianna, in order to start off this podcast, I am desperate to know who is your favorite ship in Lower Decks. And I don't mean, don't say the Cerritos. <laughs> I certainly won't be saying the Vancouver. Seems very stressful on the Vancouver. I know, that poor guy. I was going to say that too. <laughs> um, my favorite pairing or ship is easily Tendi and Rutherford. Oh. I freaking love their interactions. I think that they're both cute science nerds and I love that about them. They geek out over the nerdiest stuff on the ship. They have great chemistry and the way that they relate to each other is really fantastic and I really would like to see them get together in season two. But I also really appreciate their friendship and I'm totally fine if they stay friends. So I'm very much in both camps. <laughs> I love your support friendship camp that you're in and also <laughs> shipping. Yeah, I'm into it. What about my, you, Ashlyn? My favorite ship <laughs> is Mariner and Ransom. <laughs> You've shipped them for a while, right? Oh, yeah. Ever yeah. since that episode where he was shirtless and kicking the aliens booty. Yeah, temporal edict, I think it is. Yeah. You know? uh, and Mariner was like, that was kind of hot. And then at the end of the episode, when she went crazy trying to beat him up, he was like, that was kind of hot, too. So <laughs> even the visiting captain is like, have you seen Ransom's photon torpedo yet? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm her. I'm definitely her. I'm egging them on to maybe just have a one night stand. Yeah, you know? a little fling. I don't think they're going to go the distance. But <laughs> I want them to give it a try. Yeah, I like yeah. that. You know, I could see it happening for sure. Okay, well, <laughs> the episodes that we watched to prepare for these was about half the season. Yeah, there's only about 10 episodes to choose from. So we watched Second Contact, Temporal Edict, Cupid's Errant Arrow, Terminal Provocations, and Much Ado About Boimler. Nice. Yeah, we had not as tough of a struggle finding love and affection in Lower Decks as we did in Picard, but it was fun. It was fun to see the different ways in which our lovely Lower Decks characters get to interact with each other and with other people. So I would actually like to first start out with the friendship angle of these episodes because I think that it's very wholesome and honestly something that is one of my favorite aspects of Lower Decks is the fact that all of these four Lower Decks people are such good friends and that they have their own little friend pods, just maybe like Mariner and Boimler and Tendi and Rutherford, but also we get to see all of them interact. I was a little bit sad when re-watching these episodes, realizing that the four of them don't get a lot of time together in the episodes that we have so far. I think because a lot of times they're on away missions and it's what one or two of them together or they're having something going on with the senior staff. And so I really, really liked watching Second Contact again because we covered it in our pilot series, but I liked watching it through this love and affection lens because it made me realize that the four of them together is a really fun dynamic because they are all so eager in different ways. Like Mariner is one of those people who is very nonchalant sort of appearing that way, even though she secretly loves the warp core and she really loves her friends. And she immediately gives Tendi a tour of the Cerritos and 
Jeez. Even though she has to hide her contraband and yeah, she needs help. Exactly. She's yeah. like, might as well kill two birds with one stone here. I just really like how passionate they all are in different ways about the ship. I thought it was really cool to see the four of them together. Yeah, it's just wholesome. And at the end of the second contact, when Mariner is deciding to take Boimler in as her mentee, and she's like, yeah, spirit, community, lower decks. <laughs> it's just really cute. And that's sort of how I felt about the four of them together. I'm like, this spirit, this community, it's really wholesome. And Ashlyn, how do you feel when you see the four of them interacting? I completely agree with you. And I wish there was more. I think that a lot of the times the plot is served by splitting it into two different sections. I look forward to seeing if we can have different combinations. Like I would love Mariner and Rutherford to hang out and have episodes where they're together and Tendi and Boimler hang out a lot. I think that would be great. And I also just want to speak to the love and affection that goes on on the Cerritos. There's a great episode where Rutherford is trying all these different jobs to see if he wants to stay in engineering or switch to another department. And every single department is supportive of him and excited to have him. And when he decides to move on, they love and accept him too. And I love that even at these higher levels, they are supportive of everybody on the ship. Now, if you're Mariner, Captain Freeman is not going to have <laughs> love and affection towards you. But for the most part, it is a very caring crew. And even if the senior officers sometimes have uh, ego about their situation, at the end of the day, the priority is still the rest of the crew. So I just want to shout out <laughs> to this wholesome, beautiful show that we have. Yeah, thank you for saying that because I also liked in the episode where they're getting rid of buffer time or I guess so in the beginning of the episode when they're explaining buffer time to Tendi, the cat doctor, Tiana, I think her name is, she calls Tendi and she's like, hey, how long will it take to recalibrate the bio beds? And she's like, um, five hours? And <laughs> Tiana's like, that's just great. Thank you. You know, I'm just so pumped about it. We don't even see the cat doctor get that psyched a lot or that supportive. And so I just thought it was funny that even she has her moments of like, wow, my little ensign is doing her great work <laughs> or whatever. And so, yeah, these little moments of affection between the bridge crew and the lower decks officers are really cute, especially with Lieutenant Shax, the Bajoran. He is just so protective, especially of Rutherford. He calls him baby bear. And I just think it's really sweet that they do sort of take them under their wing. Same thing with Ransom, even though he literally stabs Mariner in the foot. <laughs> to make her not do the trial by combat and so he can do it it's still this really sweet gesture almost of like no i will fight for you you will not fight for the crew i will do it even though he kind of wants the glory and there's a bit of an ulterior motive it's still about saving his crew he will go far to stab his own crewmate <laughs> yeah i totally agree with you i was just gonna bring up that in terminal provocations Shax and daana the cat doctor have a little smooch oh! <laughs> That's right. The because they're, they're so happy that the ship is saved. And so they kiss. And so mm, there's some love. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that part. Rest in peace. Shax. I don't want to think about it. It's really sad to think about. Yeah. I wish they could have such a cute budding relationship if that were it. It's fine. Let's not oh, think about it. Oh. Even Delta Shift has a moment of love with Lower Decks crew, which is unlikely and not what we thought was going to happen because everyone in Lower Decks hates Delta Shift and everyone in Delta Shift hates Lower Decks or people who are awake at normal times. Yes. <laughs> and so they are always on each other's cases about certain things. But I think it's Terminal Provocations where they go to the choo-choo dance together and have like this connection moment where even the Delta Shift guy 
guys like yeah mariner i saw you cry like we were there and like and there's a little flashback of them the choo-choo dance and they're all just having the time of their lives and i think it's really cute that the choo-choo dance brought everyone together <laughs> even delta shift as dancing does i mean we've seen star trek parties bring people together <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's weirdly a formula. <laughs> it's just like put a party in there and then everyone will get along. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to talk, I think we should talk a little bit about Rutherford and his love situations. Yes. Because in the very first episode in Second Contact, we see him have a beautiful little date with this chick who Mariner describes as super hot and super smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she is a fellow ensign and she is sort of like a ops person, I think. We see her on the bridge later. So she is just not really the one for Rutherford. We see at the end of this episode because she was not as interested in the fact that there was a level two diagnostic happening with the turbo lift and the red alert system. And I think that it was really cute, though, because they're like, shall we go for a walk? And I thought they were just like, oh, going to stroll down the corridor or like run away from the zombie crew. But no, they mean like a spacewalk. They're doing a full EVA (laughs) in their suits. I was like, actually, that sounds like my dream date is to just go on a spacewalk. That sounds really fun. Even though they're like, oh, we only have two minutes left of oxygen. We got to hurry. Anyway, what's your favorite type of music? (laughs) I just think it's very starfleet of them to be like we're in the middle of this crisis but we're having this wonderful date and we're bonding and connecting like you have to multitask and you have to roll with the punches and so here they are continuing their date they didn't stop their date they're like well we might as well save the ship and keep having this date best way to learn about somebody is through a crisis so let's just keep doing it (laughs) yes and i love at the end we find out that rutherford is not going to see her again because he's telling tendy And initially, I thought that Tendi would also say, Rutherford, why didn't you kiss her back? When it came to it and the level two diagnostic happened, he was way more concerned about that than the kiss he had just gotten Mm -hmm. from her. This is the first time that we understand that Tendi and Rutherford, I think, are going to have a thing at Mm -hmm. some point because Tendi totally agrees and she is shocked too. So she's like, what? Then who cares about her if she doesn't care about something as important as that? (laughs) And once I get my nerd hat on and I look at it from a technical perspective, okay, that's true. That's a huge deal that the red alert canceled out the diagnostic and let their badges through. That's crazy. That means Khan could run through during red alert (laughs) and steal all the technology. (laughs) Oh, geez. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I agree. I think that's why they're more meant for each other because they have the same sort of priorities and this lady was way too interested in being romantically involved and not having to balance the duties of the ship and his engineering brain. Yeah. And someone like Rutherford, who we know is just recently become part cyborg, his priorities are not about love and romance they're about finding someone great to hang out with and maybe having a relationship with them too but also being the best engineer he can be yeah he he wants both of them and he needs to be with someone who respects that yeah i think tendy and rutherford kind of get their crisis episode during terminal provocations when badgie becomes sentient and tries to kill them (laughs) because they really go through a trial together and they become closer to it i mean the whole plot is because he's trying to impress Tendi. Yeah, he created this program. Tendi has never done a spacewalk before and he's eager right away. He just jumps on it. He's like, oh, 
I have this program for you. Let me teach you. He's kind of embarrassed when Badgie isn't working right. He's clearly, you're right, trying to impress her. I think it's really wholesome until, of course, the murder spree of Badgie <laughs> commence. But it's still kind of wholesome because they do stick together and they are a really good team. And I love to see that. You know, it's a really fun dynamic for the two of them. And the same thing when they're both competing to get the T88s, they think they're just trying to get T88s and they don't know that it's for transfer to the Vancouver. They have sort of a healthy competition with each other and I think they still have fun, you know, even though they're competing for this T88. They both steal the whole bag of them for each other at the end, which is really cute. <laughs> so. I love that. I love also in the way that Tendi allows Rutherford to be himself all the time. Rutherford also allows Tendi to be herself all the time mm -hmm. because she's someone who is absolutely optimistic 100% of the time. She's so excited about life and about being on the Cerritos and about her Starfleet career that just because she might get involved with Rutherford, she's not changing herself to be with him. She's being her best self all the time. And he loves, well, and I love, we all love as an audience, seeing when she's passionate about a project, like when she creates the dog <laughs> in Much Ado About Boimler. She says, when I say I'm going to the bathroom, I'm really working on DNA subroutines, which is insane amazing. and amazing. And this is why, again, for, for me, it's further proof that Tendi and Rutherford are a perfect couple for each other because they both will have their interests, but they can work together as a great team and still respect each other's strengths. Yeah. And I think Rutherford learned that lesson of, oh, wait, I don't need to change for Tendi when he was going through all of the different departments on the Cerritos, because literally the only reason he was going to transfer out of engineering was because Tendi said she wanted to see the spatial anomaly with him and it conflicted yep. with him like doing the yep. I don't know, manifold relay or who's to yeah. say one of the uh -huh. many Jeffrey's tube maintenance things he has to do. And so he literally was going to, he's like, I'll just quit my dream job. <laughs> and so I think he learned in that because he was like, I'm sorry, Tendi. I just, I know that my heart belongs in engineering. And Tendi's like, oh, that's fine. We can just watch it from my pad on in the Jeffrey's tube. And he's like, oh, I didn't have to <laughs> jump through a million hoops for you. You'll just accommodate me. You know, this is something that I love. And I think that that really taught him a lesson. I don't have to change for this girl. She's just going to like me for me and we will accommodate for each other's needs really well. And oh, I just can't get enough of them. I, they're the, the cutest. And Rutherford is my favorite character. I just think he's the sweetest little man ever. And I really would like to see this happen. Let's go. <laughs> I think we're going to get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what's amazing about all this speculation is that we're only in season one. Yeah. We've already had one of the best seasons of Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. And there's more to come. It's amazing. <laughs> oh incredible i think now we should talk about mariner and boimler Agreed. because they're a couple i mean they're not a couple that's that's what mariner wants you to think <laughs> but i really think that they have a thing the first time it's really clear to me is cupid's errant arrow when boimler finally gets to meet up with his girlfriend barb who he's been talking about mariner thinks that she's the canadian girlfriend like the <laughs> one who doesn't really exist or that she's a holodeck character but no she's real and after they meet each other the three of them mariner's convinced that barb is an alien or some type of creature or parasite or i mean she has like a thousand amazing references mm -hmm. what else she could be i think my favorite was the salt sucking 
creature, <laughs> yeah. which, you know, we've literally seen. Yeah. And Mariner has a great line. If a Starfleet relationship is perfect, it means that something is terribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> which we've definitely learned in our Love and Affection series that that is yeah. the truth. <laughs> Unless, I mean, we've seen some... We've seen some exceptions to that rule, but only because they had to work tooth and nail for it. Like Riker and Troy. Yeah, or Bolana and Tom, or Colburn Stamets. But not Wesley and the Dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> not quite, not quite. <laughs> no. Yeah, so I really viewed this as Mariner's jealous. I think it's both. I think she's jealous and she's really surprised that Barb would be so into Boimler. But to me, the she's up all night like trying to figure out this mystery and when she really believes that barb is a parasite she really does some amazing things she like flies herself out of an airlock in her ev suit does a space jump to the platform untethered on untethered and she's like rolling off everything i mean she she could easily die just trying to get to boimler but because she is 100 percent committed to him and trying to save his life, <laughs> she does it. And, you know, it, he's naked trying to pull something with Barb when yeah. this happens. But I I saw that her desperation to get to him was a little too transparent for me. So it really makes me think that she likes him, even though she doesn't want to admit it. Yeah, I think she's really protective of him as well, uh, because she did sort of take him under her wing in the first episode. We see her, like, want to be his mentor And I think that, like, I didn't really see it as much as jealousy, but I also did, you know? Like, I can totally understand that. I think that her little flashback to losing her other friend also was, like, a trigger for her of, like, oh, my God, I do not want another uh, partner of someone to turn into this crazy Okay, this is true. This is is real baggage. That's true. (laughs) She's, like, very triggered by this. And so I think her, like, overprotective mode got activated. And I think it could definitely be partially because she's attracted to him or interested in him. But I think also she's just really protective of the people she cares about. And we'll see this time and time again with Mariner. She will go just 100% in on something in order to save or protect her friends. And I thought this devotion she had for Boimler was really amazing and a little bit over the top for sure. I mean, she's like cutting Barb's hair and like running these scans. And I mean, turns out it is a parasite, but not from Barb. <laughs> it's from Boimler. It's Boimler. <laughs> <laughs> Poor sweet Boimler. He's just can't catch a break here. I thought it was also cool that then Barb and Mariner got to bond. They didn't end up fighting over a man and that wasn't the resolution. I really liked that then they just figured out, oh, wait, you're not a parasite. Neither am I. Cool. We can just be friends and talk about all the disasters that Boimler's been through. <laughs> they really bonded through that, which I thought was different than how I expected it to be. And I appreciated that neither of their jealousy got in the way of them being friends. Yeah, I love that, that they became such close friends. Barb and Mariner will have a relationship with each other for years to come now because they both found powerful female friend in, yeah. in one another. And I love that it didn't turn into a jealousy thing because the whole time Boimler is jealous of this hot guy on the Cerritos that Barb used to date. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of going crazy trying to fix things mm-hmm. with him and Barb. But when the situation is reversed, Barb is not jealous of Mariner once, and especially once they realize neither of them are parasites, they are just friends. And so I love the acceptance of you can have a amazing friend and not date them too. So as much as I'm like 
insinuating that Mariner and Boimler are going to get together. I still love the trust that Barb has in Boimler. Like, duh, he's not going to cheat on her. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, he's really the reacher yeah. in this situation. <laughs> I mean, so. literally it was the pheromones from the parasite that like attracted her to him in the first place. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I think that it also sort of solidifies a little bit more of a romantic leaning for them in the final episode when Boimler gets transferred to the Titan because that is a huge blow for Mariner. And you can see it, you know, that she feels really betrayed. Yeah, I definitely think there's a bit of jealousy there, whether it's romantic or not. I think that Mariner may feel abandoned by Boimler, like he just up and left for like, quote unquote, something better. And the lower decks wasn't good enough for him. But honestly, I mean, we knew that Boimler was there to climb the ladder and that he is very, very devoted to rank. I mean, he's on the command program, you know, just like Tilly's. But it's different when you have people transferring out. I think that would be a lot harder to make friendships in lower decks because you don't know when people are going to climb the ranks and transfer. And so I think it is really special that the four of them have made this because I think it would be hard to make friends in that situation. I don't know how close I would want to be with people if I know they're just going to transfer out. I think that it's a mix for Mariner. Yes, she's struggling because she has a great friend in Boimler. But also, I think she is seeing another friend move up the ladder. Mm. We see that she has her friend who's a captain, and I'm sure that's not her only one. It seems like the people in her class were very smart. I mean, every Starfleet class is smart. And pretty much everyone she's known has been moving up the ranks. But it's a tough choice that Mariner's made for herself because she's essentially saying, I want to stay as an ensign because I have to figure out my stuff and I can get away with a lot more things if I'm an ensign. And I think she disagrees with a lot of Starfleet's protocols. Yeah. And so she doesn't want to be the embodiment of them. And so it's hard to have your cake and eat it too because she wants to hang out in the ensigns and have a lot of fun. But then when her friend is being advanced, it's hard for her. So I kind of hope for Mariner, it's a awakening moment where she can either really confirm to herself that this is what I want to do. I want to stay lower decks, maybe get a job, you know, or just continuing to serve in this capacity. Or she says, maybe this is my signal to also start ranking up and Mm -hmm. advancing. Because I've said it before, Mariner would make a fantastic captain if she took it seriously. Easily. Easily. I mean, it's in her, it's in her blood. (laughs) Thanks for my niece. So yeah, I, I just feel for Mariner and as a, 20-something also stuck between a rock and a hard place. I really understand what she's going through. (laughs) Yeah, and it's hard to see your friends being like so successful and feeling like you're not, even if you are, even if it just is not to the standards of society telling you to be successful. It's hard, you know? So yeah, I completely agree. And I think that's beautiful what you said about Mariner. You really have your finger on the pulse of Mariner. (laughs) (laughs) I love her. She's an amazing character. Yeah, so fun. Yeah, I love in the first episode, second contact, she says, oh, I have depth. Sorry. You know, or something like that. Like, (laughs) She's like, get used to it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, that's all I have to say about this. Yeah. Lower Decks is such a cool show and I can't wait to see what else they have for us going forward. And I hope that Tana, the cat doctor, can find some new love. (laughs) Yeah, me too. 
I really do. And I saw in the teaser trailer, if you haven't seen it yet, just skip ahead a couple seconds, but I saw in the teaser trailer that they were all sitting together except Boimler and Tendi was Tendi was like, this is almost perfect. We just need Boimler. And so I just, I hope that they can either, either maintain a long distance Zoom <laughs> relationship as they, as we feel like we're doing these days or that Boimler will just come back and maybe be on the Cerritos, but maybe a higher rank. Who knows? I, I have a feeling this is only going to last one episode, Yeah, but who knows? Maybe this is a show where everyone's going to like advance and go crazy places. I yeah. honestly have no idea. <laughs> Unpredictable and it's kind of exciting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. Rihanna, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a hectic and beautiful and crazy amazing past week and it's just so nice to be able to sit down with you and talk about Star Trek. Yes, it kind of centers me, grounds me back in our uh, – amazing podcast and our amazing journey with the two of us doing our Star Trek themes. And this is just wild that we are now done with our love and affection series. And we want to thank you all so much for tuning in. And please keep listening because we've got time travel next. So I mean, you're going to want to stick around for that. It's going to be really epic. And I'm very excited to watch just a bunch of incredible episodes and movies for next week's time travel episode featuring the original series. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We're very excited. And I also just want to take a moment to commemorate that this is our third series in the Dura Sisters podcast. So far, we have finished the pilot series, the family series, and now Love and Affection. So I really encourage you, if you haven't listened to our past series, please go check them out. I think you will enjoy them. You can hear our thoughts on so many different subjects. And even if we're talking about the same episode, it's about different aspects of each episode because Star Trek is so amazing. You can view it through a thousand different lenses and still get something out of it. Yeah. I also want to encourage you to go check out our Patreon, which will have our reviews of season one of Lower Decks, as well as reviews of the animated series, Mm -hmm. which we are doing right now as an ongoing project, and Star Trek trivia that we have played together. So there's nothing but good here at the Dura Sisters podcast, and I hope you stick with us, and I hope you join us next week for our time travel series. Woo woo! Warp Factor 11, Mr. Sulu, around the sun. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Dura Sisters podcast. Please tune in next week for the first episode of our time travel series where Ashlyn and Rihanna will discuss the time travel episodes in the original series of Star Trek. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. By donating any amount per month, you too can become a monthly patron and unlock our exclusive reviews of Lower Decks, Star Trek Trivia, and the animated series. You can find all of this and more at patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Dura Sisters podcast at gmail.com. Our intro, Klingon Battle, was written by Jerry Goldsmith. And our outro, Worf's Revenge, is by Arillo Voltaire. Why did the chicken cross the road? Damn it, Jim. I'm a doctor, not a farmer. <laughs>